This is Startup Renegades, a raw conversation with founders, entrepreneurs, and the unicorns among us who have taken their idea and turned it into a thriving, profitable brand. I'm your host, Shauna Armitage, and my work as a fractional marketing director has led me to connect with dozens and dozens of founders in all stages of their startup journeys. Whether they're bootstrapping or fundraising or have capital on hand, there's one big question founders always ask, how do I grow this thing? On Startup Renegades, we'll explore how they did it, and you'll walk away with actionable steps you can take on your own journey to scalable growth. Hey, Renegades. Welcome back. Today, I had the pleasure of interviewing Samantha Citro Alexander, who is the co-founder of BiteWell, a food health company on a mission to improve your health through food. Now, that sounds very high level. Let's dig in a little deeper. They're building the first nutrition-focused food platform. So instead of scrolling restaurant delivery apps by pizza or Thai food, you can sort meals by your nutritional goals. And instead of getting overwhelmed by the ever-growing number of yogurt options, they can tell you exactly which dairy-free yogurt is low-carb enough for your keto diet. This is a really cool platform. I love the tech. I love the concept. It really kind of meets us where we're at as humans right now. It's not so focused on cooking, which is a primary focus of what they're building at Bitewell. And I love it. And you are also going to love hearing from Sam. Prior to co-founding Bitewell, Sam worked at the Estee Lauder company as chief of staff to Jane Lauder and as the director of integrated marketing, where she co-created Jeff Kahn, a woman's empowerment and leadership summit celebrating the beauty of being a boss. As you'll hear in this episode, her experience goes farther back and deeper than that. She's got so much operator experience under her belt. I love the passion and insight that she takes into her role as a co-founder. She is definitely scrappy. She's not the visionary. She's not the one that came up with the idea, but this is an idea that she loves and she focuses on empathy and communication to really build a marketing and growth strategy that is truly powerful. I loved this episode to no end, and I know that you will too. So let's dive right in and let's hear from Sam herself. This is the story of Bitewell. Hey, Sam, thank you so much for being on the show today. I am so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's start at the very, very beginning. What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh my gosh. I probably probably had 600 answers over the course of my childhood, but Mm -hmm. the one that ended up sticking, I wanted to be an actress. Mm. Yep. I pursued it, actually. I went to NYU Tisch. I studied acting. I went to the Meisner studio, and I thought that's what I was going to do for my career. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool. How did you end up? So you are the, you're not just the co-founder of Bitewell, but you're the marketing co-founder, which I assume means that you've got a marketing background. So how did you go from getting trained to be an actress to going into the marketing field? I would say there is more overlap than you'd think. Okay. Between the two worlds, but... (laughs) more directly to answer your question. So after I graduated, very shortly after, I realized Mm -hmm. that acting was not going to be my long-term thing. It just wasn't the right lifestyle for me Mm -hmm. forever. And I fell into a job through circumstances we can chat about over a a cocktail. (laughs) 
I fell into an amazing job with a startup beauty company. And there were only four or five of us on the team at the time. And so I got to have my hand in a bit of everything in e-commerce and marketing and product development and operations and logistics. And um, I really loved the marketing strategy and operations pieces of the business. And that has shaped my career go forward. All right. So this is so cool, but I want to back you up a little bit because I have questions. So you got whatever it was that took you into working at this beauty company. Why marketing? I understand how when you are one of the first team members on a startup, you have to be scrappy, right? You kind of have your foot in a bunch of different areas of the business. But what about your skill set really led you to kind of lead the marketing efforts for this company? Yeah, so I think it's a few things. One of the pieces of my acting training that I use daily that I think is crucial to marketing is tapping deeply into empathy. And when you're able to tap into empathetically the needs and feelings of not just the person that you're talking to directly, but your entire customer base, you can be an excellent marketer because you are developing communications and programming and content and creative that your customer is looking for and needs. And I think that is what first hooked me into the marketing world. I was able to translate the needs and desires of our customer into really amazing content. And so as far as you know, types of marketers go, there are an- more analytical marketers, more intuitive marketers. I would say that I live very much on the intuitive marketing side of the spectrum. And of course, love to look at all the data, insights, and analytics that I can, but I am a a very intuitive and empathy-driven marketer. That's amazing. I don't think I could have come up with a better answer myself. And I can't wait to make my son listen to this episode because he is almost 13. He is training in his own way to become an actor. He auditions for every play that he possibly can. He just started last year and he's been a few plays. And I would love to show him that there's actually a connection between what he does and what I do. I think that is so cool. But back to you and your story. I love the piece about empathy. I think that is amazing. And what did it look like? you know, being one of the first employees for a startup? What kind of things were you doing? What did you learn from it? Okay. So when I started, I came onto the team as an in-store salesperson. So they had just secured a bunch of accounts and they needed someone to go in store and talk to customers on the ground about the product. Mm -hmm. And it was skincare. They had this amazing body scrub and body cream and we would do hand and arm massages standing there and you know, whatever store I was in. And as I was doing these hand and arm massages, I would talk to our customer base about why they loved the product and what they were looking for and what was missing in their skincare routine and needs. And through those boots on the ground conversations, I was able to understand what they wanted and what they needed to hear from us, what they needed to know about our products to be able to pull the trigger and make a purchase, not just once, but over and over again and to remain a customer for life. And so any young marketer that I'm speaking to or helping to mentor, I always say, 
get your butt on the ground and go talk to your end customer as much as you possibly can. The insight lives with them. It doesn't live with you. It lives with them. So go listen to them. There's so many things that I love here. First of all, I feel like a lot of times the the CEO or the founder is really worried about customer acquisition, as you should be as a founder, right? But where the real power, where the real profit lies is in your customer lifetime value. And you're really speaking to that. And I think that's so important that people hear that and really think about that in terms of their own business. Like customer acquisition is really just like the tip of the iceberg. It has to go so much deeper. And I love hearing you talk about communication, right? That's so key in all of your training. And as a marketer, you've really been able to implement that. And I love that. So this was your first experience. What came next? So after my time with the company was called Juara Skincare. So after my time with Juara, I left. I was thinking about going to get an MBA because I had majorly pivoted from acting to marketing. And around the time that I was looking at different MBA programs, I was recruited by Bridgewater Associates. Are you familiar with them? They're a hedge fund out in Connecticut. So I'm actually familiar with Bridgewater. I had a friend from high school go to the college there. I'm from Maine, so I'm from the Northeast. But associates, I'm not familiar with. Tell me all about it. Got it. So Bridgewater Associates is a hedge fund um, in Connecticut. It's the largest hedge fund in the world in terms of AUM. And they are known for their culture of radical truth and transparency. And so what drew me to Bridgewater was that culture and using radical truth and transparency to better understand myself as a strategist and as an operator. And so I went in, I was part of the research analytics team on the management side of things, and I essentially studied people and process management and operations there while I was with that, which was a really incredible experience. So I got the complete other side of the coin, whereas the work with Shawara was incredibly intuitive and we had very little data to look at. The work at Bridgewater was incredibly analytical and and data oriented. And so I was really able to flex the other side of the muscle that I think is so important for a marketer. So in this time, you are gaining so much more experience. You know, in addition to your natural talents, you're really honing in on some of the skill set that makes you, you know, the expert marketer. Where along the line did the idea for Bitewell come into play? Oh gosh, we are not even close, my friend. So after I left Bridgewater, just fast tracking through, I worked at a private equity firm that invested in beauty brands. So I brought both sides of the world together. And then I worked at Estee Lauder companies for a while in marketing strategy and operations roles. And I really love not just the marketing piece. I would say if I had to rank order my skills, first and foremost, I'm a powerhouse operator. Underneath that, I am an excellent empathetic marketer and a, a very rock solid strategist. So love all of the pieces together. And I think operations and marketing too often sit on opposite ends of the organizational structure and spectrum. I think they're really much better off working together, but that's probably another conversation for another podcast. So 
I was at Estee Lauder. I was working on Smashbox Cosmetics at the time. And I was introduced through a mutual friend who happened to work at the venture capital firm that invested in us pre-seed, our first institutional money in the door. We were introduced when Chris was workshopping and developing the idea through the incubator program with this VC. And um, our mutual friend thought that we would be awesome co-founders. And he was very, very right. So it was really a people decision for me, first and foremost. Chris and I hopped on a phone call. It was supposed to be 20 minutes and ended up being three hours. We tested out working together for a few months before I officially came on board as his co-founder full-time. And so the decision primarily for me was, do I want to spend the next 10 years of my life working with this person? And do I believe in the product that we're building and the problem that we're solving? From a problem perspective, I believe in it very deeply. I first became interested in food's impact on the body's health when I was 12, super healthy kid, Then I lost 25% of my body weight over the course of six months. We couldn't figure out why. turns out I was just lactose intolerant and I was eating all the wrong foods for me. And throughout my life, I've had different allergies and dietary restrictions that have ebbed and flowed. I'm constantly trying to figure out what type of food my body wants to eat to feel its best. And I knew that was a problem that I could spend the next decade of my life working on. And the product that stemmed from that problem has changed over time. We recently went through a pretty big pivot in the way that we're bringing the product to market, but the problem remains the same. And my passion around the problem remains the same. Wow. That is such an interesting story. Thank you for sharing how you got from (laughs) those earlier places to where you're at now. And I think it's really interesting because a lot of times I talk to the co-founder that had the initial idea. I am co-founder of a company But I was the second one in. I didn't have the initial idea. So I don't think that enough. I'm actually talking to the people that join a company and understanding their reasons. You know, we talk a lot about what you look for in a co-founder or how you look for a co-founder. But oftentimes it's from the perspective of the the person who started the company. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And from my time at Bridgewater, kind of bringing it full circle, I learned that I am not the visionary. I have great ideas. I have big ideas, but they're mostly focused on big marketing ideas, big strategy ideas, big operational changes. I am a refiner. And so I work best when paired with a visionary who has the initial spark. And then I can take that spark and run with it and shape it and make it into something beautiful and scalable and long lasting. And so in my life in my career journey, I am always looking to pair myself with an incredible visionary so that we can each be the best version of ourselves in the duo. Hey, it's Shauna here. I want to take a quick break from this amazing episode to send a free resource your way. Starting up is hard. Whether you're bootstrapping or you've got some funding behind you, you don't always know exactly where to start. I want to fix that. You head to startuprenegades.com right now. You can claim your free business benchmark blueprint. That's a mouthful. It's going to help you set a plan in place so you can create your foundation for growth. And it's free. So why not? Head to startuprenegades.com right now and grab yours. I 
cannot tell you how much I love this. I remember at one point when we were fundraising, someone emailed me back. They said, this sounds like a great idea, but we only invest in companies that are women-led. So either the woman has 51% of the company or they are the CEO. And I just remember thinking, I don't want to be the CEO. I like my job on the marketing side of things. And this is where I am most powerful. This is still a woman-led company in every sense of the word. Just because I don't have the CEO title doesn't seem like a good reason not to back my company. What has been your experience as a co-founder that's not necessarily in the visionary role? That's a great question. So Chris and I have very, very fluid titles at this point in the business. Like Mm -hmm. I lead operations, marketing strategy. He leads sales. We collaborate on product. We really run the shop together. And so I have never thought about myself as any less of the company leader than him. We jointly own the vision for the company now that the vision spark has been created. I think the visionary's role, at least in my relationships as a refiner with a visionary, is that the visionary sparks the ideas and they're constantly having sparks. And it's up to the refiner to help guide those sparks and say, okay, we're going to run with this one. I'm not sure about this one. This one is great, but let's approach it in a different way and to maybe create the container for those sparks to happen in a business-friendly way. I love it. I love it so much. So let's talk about what happened once you did come on. What were you seeing happen in the business? And you as the marketer, what kind of strategies were you employing to help the company grow? So when I came on, we were very early. We were pre-revenue, pre-product basically ideation stage. And Chris and I, over the past two years, while the problem has not changed, some of the insights around the solution have crystallized as we've spent more and more time understanding who our real customer is and speaking to them. So as an example, for quite a long time, we thought that the best way for us to come to market as a company that is focused on improving your health through food would be through food coaches, dietitians, nutritionists, personal trainers, who are working with somewhere between 25 and 100 clients each and using BiteWell as their main platform for that relationship. What we found is that while that is a great way to come to market, it is not the most scalable way to come to market. And we had a different customer set coming to us. So this goes right back to empathy, listening to the customer and really putting them in the driver's seat. We had we started to notice these bulk orders coming through the platform from what looked like company office managers or HR directors or company executive assistants. And it looked like they were placing orders on Bitewell for their office. So we reached out to them and we said, hey, guys, what's going on here? Why do you love BiteWell? How did you even find us? And what is the platform doing for you? And it was through those conversations and understanding insights around 
where companies and corporations fit into that journey of finding the right food for your body and your body's health, that we made a pretty massive pivot in the go-to-market and even a bit in the product to serve this customer. And when we listened to the customer and we made that change, that's when things really started to skyrocket for us as a company. So let's dig deeper on that because I want to know specifics. So you talked about a really big pivot in terms of go to market. What does that mean? Yeah. So originally we thought that we would be more like a direct to consumer company. It was a bit of a B2B to C strategy. So our customer was in this original plan, food coaches, and then they would bring Bitewell to their clients. So that's how we were getting to the end user. In the pivot, we're really acting like a B2B corporate wellness and health benefit. So we are now selling into the HR director, the chief people officer, even the COO in some cases, they're our customer. And we are able to make bring Bitewell to their entire employee base. And that's how we reach our end user. So complete change in business model, in go-to-market strategy, and the products needed to leverage that go-to-market strategy and reach that customer appropriately. That's so interesting. Talk to me about how you actually reach that customer, right? Like, is it through cold emailing? Is it through social media? Are you using ads? Oftentimes... We talk about very specific strategies for marketing to the consumer. We talk about very specific strategies for B2B. This one is so interesting. How are you reaching this person? What does your strategy look like? Yeah. So this is where Chris's expertise comes back into play. So Chris, who is my partner on Bitewell, he was the co-founder of Koya. They were the first vegan protein drink to hit the market. And he's also the co-founder of Limitless, the caffeinated sparkling water company that sold to Keurig Dr. Pepper in 2020. And um, in both of those roles, he worked with our today customer. He was working with the office manager or the assistant or the HR director, whoever was in charge of the food programming to sell in beverage programming into their office environment. And so when we made this business shift, Chris was like, this is perfect. I have the perfect network for this business shift that we've made. And so a lot of the early traction that we're seeing on this business pivot are coming from Chris's relationships. And I think that is a really special and sometimes undervalued piece of the founder and startup ecosystem is what is the network of the founders and how can that network effect around them bring a product to market faster? How can it help them to cut through red tape and timelines that don't make sense for a startup business, especially as we're looking at B2B and the corporate side of the world? I love that you share this because I'll be honest, I've never had a particularly strong network. I'm a military spouse, so I move around. I'm a mother of four. I have worked remotely for more years than I really want to admit. And (laughs) meeting people in an office in person just hasn't been a thing for a long, long time. And networking has always been a struggle. And over the years, I've realized that's a problem, right? Like having a strong network is so important. But I'm curious for you, it's amazing that he had the right network (laughs) to implement at this point in the business, right? But for you as the marketer, how did you build upon that? Because 
he was able to utilize his network for your first customers. What did you do from there? Yeah. So I would like to reframe. So I do lead the marketing efforts in the business, but I don't think of myself as the marketer and Chris as not the marketer, right? So he, within our our working relationship and the way that things work for us as a now more B2B company, Chris leads the sales effort, which in a large way is also the marketing effort because our customer is a corporate customer. Um, Our sales team goes out and works with me and the marketing team to create cold outreach when we do cold outreach, and then they take the relationship and drive it forward from there. And so customer acquisition really sits on their side of the house. And then it comes over to me and my team for retention. How do we make sure that those customers stay happy? How do we make sure we're building the right products for them? Are we listening to the insights that they're telling us in the way that we drive the business forward? If I had to give myself a name right within the company, I would say that I'm the operator and he's the salesperson or the visionary on the business. That's probably more accurate in the way that we break up responsibilities. I love that. And I think it also speaks to how fluid you have to be as a founding team. There can be a lot of crossover and you just kind of pick up the ball wherever it is. So tell me, what is next for Bitewell? World domination. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> of course, it. world domination. But in all seriousness, what's next for us is continuing to reach the right customers. So the right companies that allow us to reach our end user who really needs us. We know that over 90% of Americans are eating the wrong foods for their body. We know that in 2019, Healthcare spending in the U.S. topped $3.8 trillion and is expected to grow at a rate of 5.3% per year, reaching $6.2 trillion by 2028. We know that there are all of these massive, massive forces affecting all of us that relate to how our bodies process food and how we find the right food for us. So we have a huge market ahead of us. We need to find the right corporate customers, the right clients to reach the end users to make a big enough impact on all of those massive numbers that I just shared with you. I think that was like the audio version of your pitch deck. I mean, I can see why you got funded. Like, you know your shit. It's wonderful. Thank you so much for being here today. I can't wait to share Bitewell with the audience. Tell me, what does being a startup renegade mean to you, Sam? To me... Being a startup renegade means not being afraid to go against the largest forces in our society that are not working for us. Mm. It means not being afraid to be a rebel. It means sharing your ideas loudly and proudly. It means believing that world domination is possible and saying it out loud to a complete stranger on a podcast. Um, (laughs) It means all of those things, but really at the end of the day, it is being fearless. It is. And we're not strangers now. Can you tell everybody where they can find you online? Absolutely. You can find us at bitewell.com on Instagram at bitewellco. And you can find me on LinkedIn and Instagram under Samantha Citro Alexander. Awesome. Thanks, Sam. 
that was this week's episode of Startup Renegades. Thank you so much for joining me and soaking up all that brilliant entrepreneurial knowledge from today's guest. If you want to suggest a founder for a future episode or just want to connect, you can find me on Instagram at shauna.armitage. That's S-H-A-U-N-A dot A-R-M-I-T-A-G-E. And just a little reminder, if you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen. It makes a huge difference and it's so important for helping the show thrive. I'll be here same time next Tuesday for a raw, honest conversation with another startup renegade. Thank you.